and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, uh, not as always, although becoming a, a more frequent guest on the show uh, over the, the last couple of weeks, Michelle Kaufman, who covers Miami basketball for us for the Miami Herald. Obviously the biggest story, uh, really the biggest story in town right now. Michelle, how's it going? It's going great. I'm uh, it's I'm at tennis today, oddly. I'm, I'm juggling tennis and basketball, but I'll be back on the road tomorrow uh, morning, first thing with UM. I'm leaving uh, for Chicago, and it's been quite a ride. I would have never predicted at the beginning of this season that I'd be traveling to the Sweet 16, but, um, you know, this team is just playing out of its mind, and, um, you know, what they did last weekend was was really, really impressive, not just winning, yeah. but but the way they won. Yeah, yeah. Usually the Miami Open, which you usually kind of lead the coverage of, is not a conflict with, with basketball season. But uh, Miami's run to the second weekend uh, made it so this weekend. Um, you, you said surprising, obviously, and at the beginning of the season, this team had had been a sub 500 team for three straight seasons. Hadn't been to the Sweet 16 since 2016, and, and both the you know they made the tournament two back to back years after that, and had first round exits, including obviously that one. Uh, to Loyola, uh, I guess that was what, 2018 tournament. Um, so it had been a while for this, but you know, I think both of us, when we, not to like make us sound like the smartest people in the room, cause I don't <laughs> think we were, we were alone, but we were pretty optimistic about this team as, as a tournament team. Um, certainly a bubble team, at least after two seasons where they were nowhere close. Um, basically by the, yeah, well, I don't remember exactly when it was they beat Duke. When was that beginning of February? It was like clear that this team was, was a tournament team. I think the question yeah. a lot of people had was how good is the ACC? Um, I think the bottom of the ACC was probably as bad as, as it looked. But clearly uh, Miami, North Carolina, and Duke were all very good teams, which I, I think people who, like, watched could at least see the flashes. I know uh, North Carolina was, was really inconsistent all year. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the, the ACC looks good. The ACC yeah, I mean, three, three teams, teams through. Three teams um, out of five, you know, that got in. And then, like we said last week, you know, when the draw came out, it set up nicely for Miami, where they were getting a, this USC team that's basically a seven seed and, and for for the last, I don't know, two, three months, had been playing more like a, a 12 seed or something. And then... Right. Yeah, uh, their, most Auburn, of their success was at the beginning. They, yeah. they started their season 13-0, and 0 and everybody got very excited, but they, yeah. they had struggled, and they turned the ball over a lot against yeah. Washington, and that was kind of a sign that this was maybe something that Miami could exploit. Right. So uh, I think we both thought they would win that game. Um, I picked that in my bracket, as I think a lot of people did. And then uh, uh-huh. Auburn, I did, you know, I, I thought Auburn would beat them because Auburn is, you know, they were number one in the country not that long ago. But they're another team that, that peaked, uh, I don't know, a month back. It had been kind of up and down since, close to 500 since they hit number one in the country. Um, and Miami, it was, I mean, to me the story was, you know, Auburn's best player is Jabari Smith, who's one of the, six or seven probably best players in the country very well might go number one in the draft certainly will go in the top five um and it's kind of you know not that the auburn is all freshmen like like some teams you, you run into but they're a young team uh their best player is a young guy and miami is as we said a lot they start two 24 year olds in their backcourt their center is a, a sixth year redshirt senior Everyone on the everyone is of drinking age on the on the court for them. Yeah, no, no, the game. three three of the five starters are sixth year sixth players. Year, yeah, and that yeah. shone through to me in that game. The the difference in experience that 
you know, uh, I think Bruce Pearl said it after the game, right, that they kind of got punched in the mouth and could never. He said they had never gotten punched in the yeah. mouth that way this whole season. They just had never gotten punched in the mouth and that they didn't respond. Yeah, they and that's what happened with the young team. And Miami was able to punch them in the mouth, and they were steady the entire way through. And Miami kind of got punched in the mouth in, in round one when they almost blew that 10-point lead in the last, like, two and a half minutes. But right. then, of course, at the end, Charlie Moore, a of course, Charlie Moore guard, comes, through. comes through and makes of course. play. So to me, you know, I, I was just out at the send-off uh, while you were up at tennis. We're talking Wednesday evening right now. And, and I asked Larenaga about, you know, they're they're an old team, but they're not a lot of tournament experience on this team. Uh-huh. Um, he kind of downplayed the, the age part of it, and it won't be, I think, as stark uh, this weekend when they play Iowa State, his best player as a senior. But to me, that it was the story definitely of that Auburn game and of the first weekend is just they're a bunch of grown men and they make grown men shots. And they played like they did. They played yeah. like grown men. I mean, they played like they were not rattled. They were not nervous. They were really loose. They were very happy to be there. Everybody was commenting on how all the other reporters from the other teams were commenting on, on just how, you know, what great talkers they were and all their press conferences were really among the best press conferences. Mm-hmm. The players just went on and on and analyzing the game and analyzing the tactics and, talking about each other and talking about Coach L, and they were just really – he told them to embrace the moment, and they really did. They really did. Yeah. I mean, that is that was a big thing um, today, again, at the send-off. Um, yeah, I wrote about it, basically, the way that this team of, again, older guys, more mature guys, but, again, guys that combined the starters had played in three NCAA tournament games before this year. Um, Charlie Moore with Kansas – and Cam Augustine was a one and one and done in his one year with Oklahoma. Um, and, you know, they needed, you know, Jim Laranega needed them, right? He needed this veteran team to, to kind of get back um, to where he is used to uh, at Miami, which for a while was making the tournament most years. Um, but they and needed he's made him. Three, he's made three Sweet Sixteens in, yeah. in ten years, basically. Sorry about this noise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he's been there 11 years, but one year they didn't have a tournament. So out of right. 10 years, he's been in the Sweet 16 three times, um, which is good. And, yeah, I have not seen him this happy, you know, uh, definitely since 2018. It's been four years since I've yeah. seen that man smiling and, and joking dancing and dancing. And... His dancing afterward was yeah. fabulous. That was a big thing when I, when I was asking guys today, just like, what is he – why is he so good in, in March? Uh, because uh-huh. they have been in the tournament five times with Miami – and he gets out of the first weekend three out of five times. Obviously, he went to the Final Four with George Mason. Right. And the big thing is, you know, they talk about his experience, that he's seen everything, and it gives you confidence. But then also just, like, he makes it fun. It's always been his calling card, right? It's How, how many times have we seen him dance in the locker room? Yes, the he's win? always dancing. He dances at the big dance. You know, it's called yeah. the big dance, but he's the only coach that I actually see dancing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it works. I mean, it, it has, you know, this – you have the having older guys lets you, you know, they're more mature. They buy into it. Not everyone's out gunning for themselves. Like the the 18 team was great, but you know, Lonnie Walker was getting ready to go to the NBA. Bruce Brown was getting ready to go to the NBA. Like they were guys. Right. It was a team that was only ever going to be together for one year. And the same is true for this team. Um, but they're older guys. Like these guys, obviously they want to get to the NBA, but other than Isaiah Wong, like I, I don't know if anyone's going to get drafted from this team. They've right. fully bought into that idea. So this is it. This is yeah. their big moment. That Let's they know it. that this is the pinnacle. This is probably the pinnacle 
of their athletic career right now. Yeah. They don't have that NBA thing off in the distance that they've got one eye on that. Their whole eye is on this prize. There is no prize after that they really, truly believe they're going to get. I, this is the prize they're going after, the college college championship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think guys like Cam Augusti and Charlie Moore will get shots in the G League and the NBA a little bit. But, yeah, they are all in on – they've bought into what Jim Laranega is selling. They've bought in since day one. You know, even when they did not play well in Orlando um, for that tournament and they got killed by Alabama and lost to Dayton. Uh, I think I covered the first game after that for you while you were – it was like over winter break. Um, and they won – I don't even remember who they played. But they won by like 10 or something. And it I was think they beat Penn State one game. Oh, you cover right. It was they Penn State. Yeah. Then they had the long break, played someone random. And, right. you know, they were not looking good at that point. But they never seemed like they were – like lacked confidence. It always felt like they knew they were going to get better as the year went on. A lot of new pieces coming together, and obviously we have seen – we really saw that, like we said, in December into January when they were on that winning streak. Um, but, I mean, on uh, Sunday, that that's easily the best game they played. All, best oh, yes, and that's the thing year. when we talk about peaking. March – I mean, college basketball, it's all about March. It's all about what you do in March. It really doesn't matter. You know, whatever – you were dominant in January, February, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. what do you do in March, and this team – this team is peaking. It's, it's peaking on the court and off the court uh, at the, exactly the right time. I mean, the way they were this past weekend, I'm telling you, all these other reporters from Duke, from yeah. Auburn, from all these schools, Cal State, Fullerton, they all thought that the Miami team was just so much fun to watch. And they were all asking me, wow, that must be so much fun to cover that team. And they were just going on and on and on. Um, they were very, very impressive on and off the court. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's it it's something honestly. Anthony and I talk about Anthony Chang and I talk about in our Heat podcast is like the chemistry can be overrated, but it can also be underrated. Yeah, um, you know I think of the bubble team, which obviously we were not up there for the bubble, but but that season, if you were just spending time in the locker room watching Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo make fun of each other from across the room while the other one was getting interviewed, like uh-huh. you could just tell they had. Something. They had it. They had yeah. that chemistry. The it factor. And There's just an it, it factor with And this Miami teams. team has it, certainly. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. So let's – let's uh, we, we've kind of talked big picture. Let's talk specifically about the Auburn game, and then we'll, we'll move on to Iowa State and, and preview this uh, Sweet 16 matchup and maybe even look ahead because, you know, they're, they're going to be favored probably in that game, I think. I think they're uh, I mean, favored by a too, point and a half. I'm not going to look too far ahead, but we'll we'll talk about the region as a whole. But but that Auburn game, um, again, going back to just the the contrast of of styles, whether it's the styles that is the, the youth for the, first the experience, but also just that four guard system versus Auburn that has you know their best, best players a six ten power forward, their second best players a six ten center or whatever. Um, the way that they were able – and a big big talking point after it became the scramble defense that Jim Larry wrote the book on, yes. which, um, you know, it's been kind of their identity for a lot of the year is force a ton of turnovers and don't turn the ball over. and But they did, did that to a degree that I didn't – you know, the turnover margin I think was 13 to 4, so not like extreme, but the amount of transition points Miami scored in that game, just getting leak outs, getting runouts – yeah, it was thirty to two, I believe, or thirty nothing yeah. to one. Thirty was to one, a, I think. I mean, 
they've had parts of that in their identity, but were you like kind of surprised how well they executed that? And is that something that, I don't know, do you feel like they saw something that they could exploit with Auburn or is that just like, yeah, no, they definitely did. They they definitely did. I think they, they, the way coach L explained it is that Jabari Smith is like a lot of shooters that he has to be in a certain rhythm. He has to take his shots from a certain place and, you know, they just totally threw them off. They completely threw them off and, and then, um, so on, on that end of the court, they're they're completely throwing them off their offense, and then yeah. it also helps them. You know, and then helps them. It helps them get into transition because they're bonking shots off the you know off, off yeah. the rim and whatever. Miami gets it and races up the court, and you know they were they're just they're so fast and they're so decisive, and they do not lose the ball. And you know, yes, he's tried to do the scramble before, but you had Chris likes, you know. I had to pick on him, but he, he he was he was very error prone too, and he would he would turn the ball over a lot. I mean, yeah. he would score, but he would also turn the ball over a lot. Charlie Moore and Isaiah Wong and Cam Mcgusty do not turn the ball over in the two games. They turn the ball over seven times total, seven turnovers in yeah, two games. Crazy. I mean, that's unheard of. Three times and four times. You know, that's just unheard of. And and so, yeah, they they absolutely. Auburn had never seen anything like that. Auburn had never seen anything like that. Yeah, and I think Miami um, had seen something like Auburn when you played Duke and you, you know watching exactly they just kept watching games over Duke. the weekend. To yeah. me, Duke is noticeably big, even compared to all these other teams. Like you watch them, and like everyone on their team, even if they're not NBA talents, looks like an NBA player. They're really big. Auburn has some of that with. Um, Obviously, Jabari and Walker Kessler, um, what's, what's the small, Cambridge, or, yeah, Devin Cambridge, a small forward. Like, they, they have that, and Miami was not phased by it. The question, like we said, going into that match was going to be, is it going to be Auburn's size or Miami's speed? And um, Miami's speed won out. I don't know if it's something they can replicate to the same degree against Iowa State that is a much more guard-heavy team. Um, but, yeah, like, like, they kind of ran circles around them is, like, what it felt like. Like, it was just – Guys getting wide open in transition, um, guys stealing the ball a lot. Um, and it is, you know, the NCAA tournament is a lot about matchups. And yeah. when you have a matchup. This is a good matchup for them, though, I still yeah. think, because I looked them up a little bit. I did. I haven't obviously watched them play right. that much. But um, but they, they have turned the ball over yeah. quite a bit. Um, you know, and they lost really big to Texas Tech in the Big 12, you know, tournament. And, they had a lot of turnovers in, in a couple of games here toward the end. So I think that, that Miami could, uh, you know, they're going to probably try to do the same thing again. It's working for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with, when you look at a matchup with a team like Auburn, it's really like it was going to be kind of, I don't know if lopsided is the right word, but like it was either going to be Miami was going to get killed on the boards and have no chance or that was going to, or what happened was going to happen and Auburn was going to have no chance. Um, right. It's Iowa State, but you know, like those are they got killed by Texas Tech. That's why they're an 11 seed, right? Like they're it's Miami's. Like I said, going to be favored in this game probably. Uh, you said they are right now. Um, they are a 10 seed versus an 11 seed with a trip to Elite Eight on the line. Um, and it's I, to me, it's going to be like a, a little bit more like a straight up game where I, I can't imagine Miami's going to get 30 transition points like they did against Auburn. Um, if they do that, they're going to win. Uh, but yeah, like you said, like there's – most teams are going to turn the ball over against Miami, and if Miami can just 
make that scramble thing work, then uh, they're they're going to be tough to they're knock They're scrambling to the yeah. Elite Eight, which would be a first time in school history. You know, they have they really have something to play for. I mean, obviously everyone wants to win their right. Sweet 16 game, but they would make school history. They would be the most successful team in school history if they do that, and I'm sure that's on their minds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. Uh, guys were talking about a little bit today that, obviously, it's cool to go to the Sweet 16. Uh, Charlie Moore going to get to play in his hometown of Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, uh, obviously, honestly, everyone seems kind of more excited for Charlie Moore than Charlie Moore seems excited for going <laughs> to Chicago. Um, but, yeah, they, they know that, like, I think there are two things. One, they know that there's never been an Elite Eight team in this school's history. Um, and two, I, I think, you know, well, everyone, obviously, even St. Peter's is thinking, can we go to the final four now? Um, right. I think Miami definitely is thinking that right now with, you know, the way they, they played on Sunday is, you know, they, they, have a, they got Providence in the region too, is probably been the single most impressive team, uh, so far in the tournament. Uh, but that, that win against Auburn, the way they just took it to an Auburn team that, for a long time this year, kind of felt like they were a team of destiny. Uh, right. If that, like, speaks volumes and, you know, the dancing in the locker room and making fun of Charles Barkley, like, they've, they've got it all going for them right now. Uh, Absolutely. Bill Aranega is, is, like, America's sweetheart for a reason, and uh, it's, it's nice to have him back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yes, absolutely. I'm like my cousin who lives in Minneapolis. She wrote me and she's like, the UM coach is so cute. I watched him <laughs> dancing in the locker room. That must be so much fun to cover that team. Everybody just hasn't – everyone is talking about how this team is just so much fun to watch on the court and to watch how they interact with each other. And, you know, the way they move the ball around, the way they – you know, they just – I mean, they they don't take stupid shots. They really don't. They, they'll see it. You see them. Like, you watch them. They're, they're, they see the basket, and then they look around, and they see someone else has a little bit more open shot than they do, and they pass it, and they're just so unselfish. They really are so unselfish. There are no stars, and I know that sounds so cliche. It sounds incredibly cliche, but yeah. this team really is true. These guys are playing as a unit. They're playing so tight, um, and uh, and it's it's been really fun to watch. I am I'm very eager to see how they play on Friday. Yeah, I think it helps. Uh, they get a lot of good mid-range shooters, which helps too. Like, there aren't a lot of bad shots on the floor for this team. Like, you know, they've right. got guys who can shoot from everywhere. Uh, ironically, they did not shoot the three-point shot very well this weekend and still no, were able to didn't. win. I think they won right. four threes over the weekend. And this team, 
the two things, the two calling cards for like when this team is rolling is when they're forcing turnovers and making threes. And they only did half of that and still got out of the weekend. Um, you know, if their jumper comes alive, their jumpers come alive uh, in Chicago, then uh, we might be talking about uh, tri- a trip to New Orleans. Because I, I don't think I, I think to me the thing is like this team does not feel like sometimes St. Peter's right they get through. Obviously, it's a 15 seed versus a 10 seed. It's different. Um, Sometimes the team gets to the second weekend and it's like they're happy just to be there. And, uh-huh. you know, even if they're not happy just to be there, like the fan base is like happy just to be there. And it's hard to envision the path to the final four or whatever. But but I think Miami, the reason, I don't want to say the region has opened up because you've got a one and a four at the top. So obviously it's not opened up. Obviously their sub region has opened up where now they got, if they beat Iowa State, they're into the Elite Eight. But, um, the way that college basketball has been all year has been kind of defined by parity that, that none of these teams, you know, how many different number ones did we have this year? Like the, right. there's been a lot of teams up there. When I was trying to fill out my bracket, I felt like any of the top. Well, there was that one week where six, there was that one week where the top, top six, six all lost. All lost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think it, you know, the, in all likelihood, Miami's not going to make the final four, not going to win a national championship as a 10 seed. Like that would be, uh, an all-time crazy run, but it doesn't feel impossible, right? Like Miami's going to be favored against Iowa State. Um, if they beat them, they're you know they're going to be underdogs against whoever they play. But it's not going to be like they're a a ten-point underdog probably against any of those teams. Like I, right. I think this Miami team, like yeah, it's not, it's not like just that they're here. playing well. It's it's you a- look at the roster and they're good. They have four guys averaging double digits. They've got Cam Augusty, who's like one of the best seniors in the country. They've got Isaiah Wong, who uh, had the best dunk of the weekend and yes. had that title for about an hour until Benedict <laughs> Curran had an absurd one in the late game for Arizona. You've got Charlie Moore, who is uh, one of the best pure point guards in the country. You've got Jordan Miller, who, like, gets better in every single game. He does. And, the stuff he does around the basket. He's really the best player around the basket on yeah. this team. And he, he gets all these tip-ins and steals. And, I mean, he's like, really, really good. They've got and five. The teams, are never, the teams are never too ready for him either. Yeah, they've, they've got five good him. players, and in college basketball, that can work. Like, the, you get a couple minutes from Anthony Walker here. You get a couple minutes from Uga Poplar there. And there's not a lot of weaknesses on the floor at any time. Like, I think Kansas kind of feels like a slightly better version of Miami where all five players are good on the floor at every moment, and you trust them all. But – Miami, like, doesn't have a one guy you can exploit or one guy you know could just absolutely have a meltdown performance. Like, even if Jordan Miller has a bad game or whatever, like, he's not killing you because he's not taking 15 shots. Even if Isaiah Wong has a bad game, it's not killing you because Cam Augusty's probably going to have a good game. Like, they've got – they've just got the guys to cover up the mistakes of, of anyone else. And the there's a lot of guys who are – you know, maybe they don't have the superstars, they don't have the high ceiling guys, but everyone has a high floor. No one has ever given you an absolute dud in the way that you can just single-handedly tank a team in, in the NCAA tournament. Right. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We'll see how many Miami fans show up. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch people hop, hop on the bandwagon a little bit. I mean, I think there's going to be a pretty decent Iowa State turnout, right? Right, I, I, that's what I would think. It's in the Midwest. So. Midwest. I think the Providence fans are all in. I kind of feel like they're going to, like, own that arena. Um, although Kansas, just being Kansas, will we'll probably have a ton there. But um, I, Miami, I, I, like, I, 
like you're saying, people are into Miami, like the just kind of neutral, casual fan. I think part of yeah. it is the Jim Laranega factor where everyone is nostalgic. People for, love him, and the, and the announcers love him. The announcers on TV always love to talk about Jim Laranega. Yeah, he's like a lifer, so he, he's got yeah. that going for him. Um, and and then, again, I think just the way this team plays where it's just speed, it's, it's smart. You know, it, it reminds you of what college basketball used to be a little bit. Like these guys obviously are older even than like the great college basketball teams of the early 2000s where it was all juniors and seniors. But it's right. It's, it's like the modern equivalent of it. Like they're almost like a mid-major that just like with high major talent is kind of how right. those worked out. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. And it's kind of a lesson. Of, I don't know. Some of these other teams like Auburn, you know, they have their big superstar, but they got – they really got – they got exposed. Well, yeah, they're, they they're guards. They're, I, I think anyone who watched Auburn closely, one of the most frustrating, like, syndromes a college basketball team can have is when the fourth best player on the team thinks they're the best player. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that was kind of – like, those Auburn guards, like, you got to let Jabari – and I know Jabari didn't shoot it that well, but, like, when you still look at his stat line from that game, it was, like, ridiculous other than the shooting, the rebounding, right. the, the block shots, but – yeah, they were kind of like what I was saying, where Miami doesn't have a guy who's going to cost you a game. Um, that's the problem with some of those those one-and-done heavy teams. And yep. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of where I wanted to go to next um, because, it, you know, Miami, like we said, at the start of the year, people were like, when's Larinaga going to retire? Let's get him out of here. And now you look at it, and, you know, they're going to lose Charlie Moore. They're going to lose Kim Augusti. Who knows if they're going to lose Isaiah Wong or whatever. But is this, like, the – clearly Laranega has, like, got everyone to buy in again. But, like, are we going to be sitting here this time next year, like, wondering what Miami is going to be – going to need you to get back to the tournament? Or is this the, the turning point for the uh, Laranega era to get back on track? How, how are you feeling just about the state of the program? Yeah, um, well, I you think – anytime you go to Sweet 16, it's a big boost. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on um, – it's really going to depend largely on the transfer portal. Yeah. You know, the truth is this year's team is where they are, is where it is because of because of Charlie Moore and Jordan Miller. You know, they came in and made a huge, huge yeah. difference. This team is not the same team without Charlie Moore. And he's a guy who's only been here one year. He came through the transfer portal. So they're looking at the transfer portal to replace him. Now, you know, they're going to try to find another point guard through the transfer portal and another big because Sam, you know, Sam Sam Wardenberg's going to be gone. Charlie's going to be gone. Cam's going to be gone for sure, those guys. Um, Mm. So, you know, they're going to try to find another big guy and another point guard through the transfer portal. And that's going to be the big key. You know, they have some good freshmen coming in. Obviously, the recruiting, they're a Sweet 16 team now. And as fun as they look on TV, I'm sure the Recruits are noticing yeah. that too. The recruits also see Coach Laranega dancing, dancing around with the yeah, players yeah. after the game and, and the way they're playing, how everybody is part of it. Like if you're on that team and you're one of those five, you mm-hmm. are going to be, you know, you're going to get to play and participate and be really feel like you're contributing because all five of those guys do very evenly. So I think it's a very like, attractive place for a recruit right now. Yeah. It's in Miami, of course. That goes without saying, but the weather and everything. But, yeah, coming off of Sweet 16, it should help their recruiting. Yeah. Um, I and the out, transfer portal and the freshman and the transfer portal yeah. both. I, I tweeted out uh, the other day, by the time people listen to this, Malik Renault, who was like a local kid, just decommitted from Florida. So, like, and, and from my understanding is Miami is, like, going to be 
in the mix of them, like, and I don't know if that would have been the case uh, two weeks ago, right? Like, right. Uh, it's it's You're in the Sweet 16. Yeah. The kids like that. The kids are watching yeah. this tournament, and they look at the bracket, and the word Miami is there on the final 16 out of, you know, 358 teams or whatever. There's 16 of them left, and Miami's one of them. Yeah. So it's an attractive, you know, Miami is palm trees and beaches, but now it's also a Sweet 16 team yeah. that looks really fun to play for on TV and that the coach is dancing and all this. Um, I think it's, you know, I think they're going to have a really good recruiting year. I really do. Yeah, and I think there was, and it was fair, like the, the questions about Laranaga, like has he lost a step, you know, he's 72 and has had three straight losing seasons before this year. And I, I, most of that was because of extenuating circumstances, I would say. Uh, the, yeah. you know, the injuries in the FBI investigation, but you know, you know, other schools were negative recruiting and saying like, oh, he's seventy-two, like he's, no, he's, he's not going to be around. Why are you going to go there? He's about to retire. Right, we talked about when he got the extension, um, and then just like the stuff like, I don't know, like does he know what he's doing anymore? Like, has the game passed him by? Right. I, I think his coaching job this year has been incredible. Obviously, based yes. on the way that they have improved as the year went on, as you mentioned, um, two new pieces in the starting lineup, guys like. Three, really, because Sam Warnberg yeah, didn't, didn't play last, play year, last year. Yeah. Three of the five starters did not play, not play one last. minute last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, one of them is your point guard who has the ball in his hands on every single possession. Right. Um, I, I just think the way that, you know, like Rodney Miller was a part of the rotation. Dan Gack was a part of the rotation. He realized this, that's not going to work with this group. We've got to be fast everywhere. We've got to right. be shooting everywhere. I think he's adjusted really well throughout the year. Um, then you see Rodney Miller leading the dance at the end, so you know yes. there's no love lost, which is speaks <laughs> to the culture he's built up. Um, but I, you know, I think to the way that he, you know, he's never been like an X's and O's guy, right? Where he like schemes up this great like swing offense or anything. But he has a system, and he knows he puts guys in positions to succeed. And I think he has done that as well as uh, probably. I mean, you probably have to go back to the 2013 team to to for a coaching job like this for him. Yeah, yeah, 2013 when they won the ACC and all that. Yeah, and they, they were the doing that with you know, a bunch of tournament. old guys too, yeah. And that was a very similar team. Yeah, Shane Larkin, yeah, he had Shane come Larkin from DePaul. Some... He came from DePaul. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he came from the same school, transferred from the same school, and there were guys 24 and 25 on that team, Julian Gamble and Trey McKinney-Jones. And, and they were all transfers, was... right, Durant Scott. They were all transfers. Yeah, they were all transfers, yeah. and they were and they were all – they were really good. Kenny Kaji had transferred from University of Florida. Uh, yep. uh, that team was full of transfers. The point guard transferred from DePaul, and, and they were really, really good. Really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I still think that team is probably better than this one, but uh, this weekend this team might be more accomplished by the end of it. Um, and, and just kind of generally, I think, big validation for Jim Laranaga. Big, big bounce back year. Silencing the haters, all that kind of stuff. Because oh, I, yes. I think he's been awesome this year. Yeah, like, I agree. It, it's really hard to... Uh, you know, he's not going to be the national coach of the year or anything, but like, I don't know, maybe. I voted be. for him for ACC coach of the he year. He definitely should have been ACC coach of the year. I, I gave him one of, he only had three votes. So I was yeah. one of them, you yeah. know. I mean, we talked, you know, he, they were. Everyone pretty, picked the Wake Forest well, coach, but. Yeah, you know. who also deserved, you know, that was between the two of them. Um, But everyone picked Miami to be 12th in the preseason and, and they wound up yeah. fourth in the standings. And, you know, it was. um. Yeah, wire to wire. I think good job of him, especially after basically after that trip to Orlando, where it really could have gone sideways, and it felt like maybe we were in the dying days of Jim Laranega as a new athletic director was coming in, and now 
Um, I don't know. He, he what's that extension? What, what year does that go to? What year does that extension go to? It goes to uh, 2024. I mean, no, 2026. That, yeah, 2026. 2026. Like, Four more years. I, I have full two, confidence that he can coach up until you know, it takes like 76. He can, he can two do more that. Years. Yeah, and and the guys he's recruiting now, freshmen. He, he he has promised them that he will be there for the four years. Yeah, and he looks like he's more than capable to do that. Um, yeah, it's it's been fun to watch uh, not just his team play, but him get his, his validation after a couple of years. Where again, like I said, I think people are like, "What's wrong with Miami?" Um, you know, maybe Miami will miss the tournament next year, but I think there's like full confidence. There should be full confidence that like this dude knows what he's doing. This dude knows how oh, to yeah. up. He knows what he's doing. He and knows how to. Uh, you know, Miami is not uh, North Carolina where it's like tournament or bust every single year. Jim Laranagos found this nice sweet spot where he builds to a really good team, and, and this team is a really good team that has the capability to not win it all, at least make some history this weekend. Um, and Michelle will be there for it uh, in Chicago. Uh, a late night you're looking at on Friday oh, night. Uh, 10 o'clock start, PM yeah. Scheduled tip probably will be later than that. Um, Ugh, but nightmare. it will be uh, – uh, I'll be – Hoping that I'll actually be hoping the early game goes to overtime because I'm covering the heat that night and would like to get home and see as much of it as possible. <laughs> so uh, be sure to follow Michelle out there. You can follow her on Twitter at Cop Sports. Uh, she has lots. By the time you're listening to this, lots of coverage uh, will be out this week. Um, writing about Charlie Moore, right, going back to his hometown. Yeah. Um, a storybook. I guess we shouldn't say storybook ending for him because they hope it's not the ending, but. Uh, a storybook step on the way to whatever this ending a storybook is. storybook chapter in his yeah. story of the season. You know, a guy who just such a long, circuitous journey, and to end up in his first tournament, his first Sweet 16 in his hometown. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool really story. cool. And I think the same, you know, we talked about it with, with a bunch of the guys. We talked to Jordan Miller, Charlie Moore, and, and Cam Augusti today. And, you know, they're all talking. To, they all have that kind of same feeling where it's, you know, Cam came from Oklahoma, had to sit out, waited through all these bad teams and gets his moment of validation. Jordan Miller, obviously, uh, coming from George Mason, transferring up a level uh, as a, a fourth-year guy in college now, gets his shot. So I, I think a lot of, like, good stories just surround this team. And, and you know, Sam Wardenberg coming back from an injury, like you said. Right. Um, it, a lot of guys who have gone through a lot to get to this point. Uh, it means a lot to them. That's the thing. I mean, the thing yeah. with them and not the one and done's. This means everything to them. You know, it's kind of like Olympians who only who compete in sports where the Olympic gold medal is the biggest prize. Right. For most of these guys, you know, this is going to be the biggest prize, the NCAA tournament, March Madness. Like we said earlier, most of them are not NBA bound. And so this means just you can just tell how much it means to them. Yeah. And yeah, they're playing think, that way. I think that's why people are, are really, really enjoying this team beyond just the winning. The, uh, yes, the effort, I agree. All that kind of stuff. Uh, you I can agree. follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. I helped out with some coverage this week talking about uh, what Jim Laranaga does to be such a good tournament coach and why he's such a perfect fit with this group of old men. The old man with the old men. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> leading this team to the Sweet 16. Um other than that, uh, some hockey cup. Busy, honestly, crazy sports week here in Miami. Between that it and Tyree Kiltrade just tennis. happened. They got Claude Giroux over the weekend coming to Florida. Um, you know, heat in the, like, fighting for that one seed. Like, kind of, kind of crazy that this is supposed to be like our quiet time of the year. And we've got so much going on. 
Um, but thanks, as always, everyone, for listening. Um, and, uh, Michelle, we'll definitely have you back on next week, win or lose, to either okay. recap the season or maybe preview uh, a preview final Pre-game four. Preview the final four and the final four. Okay. Yeah, thanks sounds for coming good. on. Uh, I'll talk to you uh, next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, David. <laughs>